gentlemen. Hello, boys and girls. Hello, children of all ages. It's your boy, the nonprofit sector connector. And I tell you this. Hold on, Alan. I'm going to slow down. I'm trying to speak slow. We talked about this, you and me. Alan Inkles is here. We were talking about speaking slow, but we are trying to put two hours worth of content into one hour today. So we might talk a little faster. So if you're not from Long Island, if you're not from the Northeast, you better hold on because we're going to get here. We're about to get going. So I am Tommy D, your boy. I like to say that. I'm going to say that forever. I, if I'm hunched over with a cane and I've lost all my hair and potentially my teeth, I'm still going to be your boy, the nonprofit sector connector. At least one guy's laughing today, and it's me. Uh, Alan looks like he's me. Maybe Matt, Alan likes my my stick. So so that's good. So we got two fans today, Tommy D. So look, every week I'll tell you guys what we do. We meet with leaders of, of nonprofit organizations. Today is even on a little bit of a twist today because we're really focusing on the arts today with my, my new friend, Alan Inkles. I'll introduce him in a second. There's a couple of things I got to button up really quick. The New York City Imagine Awards applications are out right now. You've heard me talk about that all the time. If you are a nonprofit organization, if you sit on the board of, if you run, if you are an employee of a nonprofit organization that serves the community in the five boroughs of New York City, go to nycimagineawards.com fill out an application should take you about 30 minutes tops and you can apply in multiple categories uh, if you want to reach out to me on that tommy d at philanthropy and focus phocus.com and i'll help you out with those applications uh the long island imagine awards is coming up uh in 11 days uh the 26th of, of april 2022 crest hollow country club same thing reach out to me if you want to get more information or uh, if I could sort out a ticket for you, I'm happy to do so. So we'll work that out. All right. So look, I play the nonprofit sector connector, not just here on the show, but in my everyday life. And uh, it's funny because people introduce me as you need to meet my buddy, Tommy D. He's the nonprofit sector connector. And that's great because that's something like everything in life. As I look around the attic, everything is really made up. Everything was created. So I created this thing. So let me tell you how I get to meet Alan. So I have a friend named Erin. She has an aunt named Kelly. Kelly does some work with Alan and his organization, and that's how this happens. That's connections, that's networking, that's the power of us all working together. Two things happen on this show. I work with these organizations to help them tell their story to the best of my ability. Really, it's me navigating them through the story and amplify their message. And I want to start this. First, Alan, two things. I got to say, welcome to my show. Welcome to my attic. Thanks for being here. Good morning. How are you? It's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this all week long, Tommy. I'm in good shape. I'm ready to go. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're here. I've been looking forward to this too. So I got to start with a little anecdote, a little story. I didn't even tell everybody. Let me do this check again. From the top of my house, just below the roof, I'm in the attic. All right, we did that. So we did that. Check the box, kid. All right, here's the thing. I We have a family foundation, a memory of my cousin, Linda. It's called the Lindy Lou Foundation. And a bunch of years back, I won tickets to go to the Adelphi Performing Arts Center, okay? Had not really been in one of these type of theaters. And we're going to talk about the Staller Center at Stony Brook. But I tell you this, I, I'm going to tell you a name, which I know you're probably from your background going to be aware of, but I was not aware of this man. So I win tickets to see Tommy Toon, okay? So I get to go with my daughter, who is now 12. So she was probably four. So it's me and this little pipsqueak kid. <laughs> we go to see Tommy Toon. Yeah, and he's tall. And like, I, look, if you, if you guys can't see me because you're, you're listening only, I'm wearing a red tie. I love to wear the red tie. Red's my favorite color. Tommy Toon in this red, like satin red suit, like, like doing the, the tap dancing across the stage. And it was so cool, man. But, you know, the, the, aside from seeing, you know, a legend like that, what was cool was the venue I was getting to see this in, you know, smaller theater, right? Intimate situation, right? So you've been involved. We, we said 38, but it's really 39 years. We were talking about right before the show. This is your 39th year involved with the Staller Center, which is on the campus of Stony Brook University. Um, really, uh, your whole career, basically, with this organization. Before you tell me about the story, because I want to hear your story, I just want to read a couple of things. You're a Stony Brook grad, right? Phi Beta Kappa, summa cum laude. 
um, and recipient of many of the university awards, as well as a lot of national recognition. Um, the Three Village Man of the Year Award, both in 87, 1987, that is. And and I don't know what I was thinking. What is it, 1897? Come on. We were talking about age before this, which, and look, it's really just what we think inside of our, between our two years about the age. But the Stony Brook Student Life Award in 03-2009, Distinguished Alumni Service Award. Look, I, I haven't been out to the campus with you yet. I'm jazzed to come out and see a show. And I use that word on purpose, jazzed. But I, I'm psyched to come out and spend some time with you in person and come out for a tour and the whole thing. For, first, because I want to and I'm curious and I want to learn. But then also because I think it's fun to do to get the, the story out and help even kind of tell the story about what the work you're doing out there. Um, tell me about this this organization. Tell me about this place. Tell me about, you know, your background and, and you know, just what drew you maybe to the arts, like even if we start there. Absolutely. Uh, and thank you again for having me on, Tommy. It's, it's uh, in an hour. I'm like, wow, usually I get like 10 minutes and it's like, I'm done already. I still no, no, say no, that probably no. after 57 minutes, we'll still be saying, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was drawn to the arts. I, I wanted to be an actor. You know, I was, I went out to Hollywood right after high school. Uh, I had people like, uh, Oh, Todd Bridges, remember Different Strokes was in my acting class. Tony O'Dell. Todd Bridges was in your acting class? His mother was our acting teacher. Betty Bridges was his mom. Oh um, Tony O'Dell, you might remember, was on Head of the Class. He was one of the kids in the in the uh, um, Karate Kid movies. Didn't have a whole lot of lines, but good-looking blonde kid was in my class. They're all getting roles. I'm not getting it. I'm like, come on, give me a break here. I was My agent had me and Timmy Van Patten. If anyone remembers, old enough to remember one of the Van Patten boys. Uh, and every time I would go for an audition, he would be there too. And of course he had all the years of experience. He was a Hollywood guy. Was that so like, I would always Patton? use out to- Is that he like Dick Van Patten's son Dick or Van something? Van Patten's son, that's correct, yep, yep. So there were a couple of them. He was on that show, oh my God, I'm dating myself. White Shadow, the basketball show. You oh. Know, oh, Tommy, I'm even dating myself with you. That's scary, okay? My <laughs> staff, I give them references to shows. They're like, was that, do you had TV when you were younger? That's pretty interesting, wow. Well, how old, well, talk to me about the age of your staff though. I mean, we, we joked about it, but are they, yeah. age, are they 20 year old kids or? No, you know, they're, they're, they're average, average age. And it's funny, I've had people who worked with me for years. Two of my folks retired. One was with me for 30 years, one for 35 years. So we're getting, I'm getting older, my staff's getting younger. Yeah. I would yeah. say the average age of my staff is mid thirties. Okay. I've got a couple in their twenties. I've got a couple in their forties. I got one in the fifties, but it's, they're all been with me for a long time. And the younger ones are just starting their trail because, you know, we have a great time here. I mean, we, I was meeting with the provost who's our uh, chief academic officer yesterday fighting for budgets, which is what we do around here. I keep pictures of me when I was an actor, which we're about to get to for a second to remind me this art here because yeah. it's a business like anything else, Tommy, we got to raise money. And that's, you know, obviously what we're all about. It's all about fundraising the arts and, and budgets and programming and, losing a show and getting a show. But at the end of the day, it's about the arts. And it's if, it's if you don't remember that you came into this business because you love the arts and you need the arts and we all need the arts, then the rest doesn't matter. So, you know, I graduated high school. I went out to LA. I wanted to be a movie star. You know, I thought I wanted to be an actor, but I think I wanted to be a movie star. You know, I guess Tom Cruise was already, already took that role already from me. So, uh, you know, I auditioned. I would go for auditions and, you know, I wouldn't even get a chance to say anything. They'd say, look at the picture, look at me and say, okay, thank you. But I prepared something like, it's okay, see ya. So I did that for a couple of years, came back to New York, uh, studied with Uta Hagen in New York, which is a big famous uh, uh, teacher back in the, in the day. Um, and I loved it. And I was uh, going to school at Stony Brook while I was doing that. Uh, I was doing some Long Island day uh, theater performing. And then I got a role in theater three in Port Jefferson, which is a wonderful theater in, in town. And I was performing Romeo and Juliet. And of course, tore a ligament in my knee with about three performances to go. And you'd think probably I did that jumping off a balcony, reaching oh, out to no. Julia. No, I walked into a piano in act four backstage because Shakespeare made the mistake of giving Romeo act four off. So if I could tell Shakespeare again, give the guy, don't let him get away because you got to watch the guy all the time. All right, so, so, so let's go back to a reference yeah, that, okay. the, that the kids that work for you have no frame of reference. So, so right. let, if I had, uh, you know, Bill and Ted, and we can go back in time and talk to Bill Shakespeare. We would ask him, look, you know, 500 years from now, some young kid on Long Island is going to, you know, tear a, lig tear a ligament. Can you not have him sit out? If he's on the stage, he's not going to walk into that piano. They have no idea what we're talking about right now. People go, Bill and Ted, who are they? Bill and Ted's and, excellent and, invention. And Bill's going to say to you, Bill Shakespeare is going to say, by the way, is, you know, the most, I mean, if you don't know Bill Shakespeare, kids, 
Get him out there. I mean, he's only did about, you know, 40, 50 plays that have been, you know, it's the it's the legend. And as an actor, you always want to do Shakespeare because it's the it's the most challenging. I always found it the easiest because the, it was it was just it flowed out of your mouth, the words. But and I think he was trying to give Romeo a break because he's on the whole show. So he actually was trying to give Romeo a break in act four. I should have just sat down. He walked to a piano. It's funny because we have a, a local doctor, Stu Cherney. He's the hot doctor for the hospital here. So I go, I didn't even know back then. He's, he's a doctor for the sports teams. I go into his office. I go, listen, I, I got to, he goes, well, you got to, I'm going to drain your knee and you got to be off it for two weeks. I said, I got a matinee tomorrow afternoon. What are you talking about? So he said, well, you really shouldn't do it. I did it. Of course, was in a brace for about three months because I really did nice damage to my leg. And of course I needed a part-time job because I couldn't act. It, what people used to say that about me anyway, even when I couldn't, of course, my wife especially, that was the problem. Uh, so I found a part-time job at the theater, Stony Brook, where I'd gone to school, and they gave me a part-time job. Just real quick, flash forward, this doctor I hadn't seen in 30 years, I didn't know, about eight, nine years ago, I go to his office for, and my other knee was bothering me. I walk in, he comes out, he goes, that's the guy. Apparently, he's been telling the story. To, for 30 years to his staff about some guy running in in tights saying, I got to get on stage tomorrow. Fix me up, doc. So I was a legend in that office from 30 years ago, which is kind of cool. He's, and he's on the campus now, too? He's actually, he's, the, he's, a, he's actually a practice at the university hospital, but he's the team doctor for all the sports on campus. Stu Journey, it's a great wow. guy. Also a donor. So it all, see, it all ties in. Yeah, he's one big circle. to be. Very big donor and very supporter of us. But it's funny that he, you know, I, I didn't even know that he told that story. That's but he thought it was the funniest thing that some kid runs in right after a show and says, fix me up. I got, he's, I'm draining your knee. You got to be off for two weeks. I'm like, no one can do Romeo but me. I'm the only guy that can play Romeo. He thought there's three guys, there's three guys in the wings, including the guy who's playing Tybalt, who wanted the role. And let me tell you, those fencing scenes with Romeo and Tybalt, I didn't think I was going to make it out alive half the nights. Like, I keep saying, Dude, I gotta win this fight with the move with the show's over. It's like I want Romeo. I wanted that role. I'm like, no, oh, come on. That is anyway. dangerous. That's a good point, though. I, you know, they're rewriting the script because all they gotta do is get you with that that sword and you're done. And now they're but, but this is what this is what the live arts are about. Because I tell this story to young actors and to young people who come to our theater. One night during the show, uh, the sword breaks. So I'm looking at Tybalt. And I've got to die. If you know the play, Tybalt's got to kill Ro Romeo's got to kill Tybalt, or that's the end of the show. So I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. We're like scared out of our mind because you know, what are we going to do? And somehow, some way, I decided to go over and break his neck. Not really, of course. So I go and I break, break his, and it's like, great. Play ends. The audience comes out like, that was amazing. They go to the Romanian director. How did you come up with that? He goes, well, we worked in practice. We wanted to work on it. We came up with that. So he goes, and now, Alan, you've got to do that every night the same way. I said, no, I won't do it every night. That's why I said, because it was real tonight. Because yeah. tonight it was the, the looks on our faces about that scene. I said, if I try to break that sword every night, it's never going to work again. Right. So we never did it again. So but we just was, did. But it was, it, it was an in the moment. It was an improv thing. You but know, that's that's what so makes. I don't care so what special. they said in Hollywood. They, you have the chops. You know, I know, I know. You went in a different direction, and you're running this organization. But you know, I, you were Todd Bridges, man. I mean, I, I look. I was, a, I was a big different strokes kid. I, that's my era. Yeah. You know, I born in '78. You know, the '80s TV. You know. Uh, yeah, Kimberly and Mr. Drummond, and I uh, loved that show. You know, wow. with, what are you talking about, Willis? With you know, I, I actually follow. Why can't I think of his name? Uh, Arnold. Um, uh, Coleman. Uh, I, uh, Gary, Gary Coleman. Coleman. I follow Gary Coleman on Instagram. I Gary Coleman. Shout out, Tommy D. You probably have no. I know you. Hey, Gary. Know. Good job. Never met you. Only met you by your 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 partner in crime. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's incredible. Man. They had a rough run. The, the, those kids. Yeah, from that show. they did. But again, I did there's, there's a lot. I, like, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of, and we got to go to break in a second. I'm sure there's plenty of well-rounded young actors, but I, uh, I but there's uh, a, you know, I mean, the guy who always I got a kick out of, and this is a little bit before my time, but I watched it kind of in the reruns. Was uh, I love the Partridge Family? So like yep. Danny, Danny Bonaducci was like, who's like he's a, I I haven't seen him in years, but I know he used to do radio shows and whatnot. Yep. He became a celebrity later, but how adult human beings who are in, in Hollywood and stuff like that, get have all this stuff at, it pushed in their face. I'm going to tell you the most grounded, most real, special actor uh, person I've ever met. And he's a good friend. It's Ralph Macchio. Yeah, I, and, I know. I, I've heard it. And he's a local guy. We got to lives, lives in a little place. Let's talk he's about Ralph when we come back. I want to talk yeah, about absolutely. Ralph. I'll tell you that story. Break. We'll take it to a break. Uh, Alan Inkles is here at the Staller Center at Stony Brook University. Tommy D. Philanthropy Focus. Dylan, take us to break right back. 
Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Through the static, join me in the attic. And listen, if you don't join me in the attic every Friday morning, you can check us out, talkradio.nyc. After the fact, you can check us out on Facebook, or as I like to say, the Facebook. You can check us out on any of uh, the podcast platforms, wherever you get your information. So it's we were talking about Ralph Macho, who's a Long Island guy, right? I mean, grew up here. And I, I'll, you know, I grew up in on that movie on the Karate Kid. Again, born in 78. That movie probably came. I'm looking on because I had to look up one of his uh his adversary in that movie, because I have a story about, about him. So that movie came out and the first Karate Kid came out in 84. So I was six years old. Yeah. So, um, but William Zabka or Billy Zabka, who played Johnny in that movie, right? Um, my friend Nick had sent him, I, I don't even know if it was an email because we're talking about like the late 90s. So maybe it was an email. He reached out to, to this guy because you know the guy who played Johnny, who, yeah, you know, of course, yeah. So he he kind of I always felt like and and Nick my buddy Nicky Books felt this way as well and he was like he felt bad for the guy and he sent him like an email he's like I, you 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 seem like a good dude it's tough that you always get like the bad guy roles and it was like and just like that is like a great story that he and and they had like a you know correspondence like Zabka got back to him and was like hey Nick you know thanks for looking out like I think that just just shows the humanity of yeah. what people yeah. are. Ralph, Ralph, we became friends about 15, 18 years ago. He, he had a short film at my festival, this, this film festival, which at some point we'll probably get to what we, we do. We'll get to it. We will. Yeah. It might be on the second episode of when you come back to the show. We might. Oh, there you go. I mean, I, I already got a second invite. I love it. <laughs> you got that cut. You got everybody hear that? Okay, I'm back. That's it. You're um, in. We, became, we just hit it off. We were just, you know, natural, connected. And, uh, you know, I had a, a young boy who lived across the street from me. He was uh, slightly um, uh, disabled. And, and his favorite movie was Karate Kid. He wore out like seven, you know, VHS tapes and all that stuff and DVDs. So I brought him to see Ralph. And I got to tell you, Ralph with this kid, the kid, he's probably in his early 30s, but he had, you know, was slow. And Ralph couldn't have been more genuine and, and with him. And I think Ralph said to me, look, Ralph could have been, a huge, huge actor. He didn't want to go to Hollywood. He yeah. stayed on Long Island. Married his wife, wonderful night wife Phyllis. She a nurse at St. Charles Hospital. They're grounded. His daughter Julie, Julia, and his son Daniel, San yeah. Daniel, of course, had to do it. They're just so grounded people. So there are a lot like that, and there's more of them than the other types. Even the, the big stars that come to me, they're all you know. I've got people that have been here for over the years. You name them, they played by me, and I can't name more than one or two that were just a little bit over the top. Yeah. They're all just happy to be here, very genuine, very excited to play here. And and you know, I talk about being an actor, and I you know, 
which which I sort of gave up after that because I got the part-time job here and I never turned back. I was producing an international theater festival. I was programming shows. But the reason I think being an actor played such a big role in, in my life, uh, and it's what I preach to my team here, is I want to treat the people that we bring in, whether it's Patti Lapone or Yo-Yo Ma or Renee Fleming or you know whoever, or a film actor like Brian Cox or Christopher Plummer who've been out here, I want them to be treated the way I wanted to be treated as an actor. And if we don't have a full house, I make it full. I'll donate tickets to people. I will never let someone walk on my stage and not play to a house that's not full. Our film festival in the summer, we have a thousand seats for a film festival. You know, most festivals play in 200 seat theaters. We are full every night. That wasn't always that way. Yeah. 27 years later, first couple of years, we had 50 people in the theater. But as we built it and grew it and started bringing bigger films in and stars and getting people used to independent films and foreign films, we grew the audience and, you know, we have fun here. We've got to enjoy it. My team, uh, we all feel this way. You know, there's an energy, there's a passion. When I stop feeling passionate about what I do, then I know it's time to leave. And you know what? I'm more passionate today, Tommy, than I was 39 years ago. Well, see, that's it, man. And, and you know, there's all that stuff about, you know, uh, do something you love. You'll never work a day in your life. But I've been playing around with this idea. And I think I brought it up on the show last week or the week before. And it's about like, retirement or retiring like i used to think that was like some sort of destination or goal or objective now i i'm like first of all i don't even know what i'm going to be doing in five years from now or 10 years from now at 44 i mean guys are just starting new things new careers guys and gals all new stuff it's like, so i mean i didn't have a radio show like this now we have two and i have another one in my head that i want to do maybe i do it so, you know maybe it's like a live thing i don't know the, the, the idea is you could just keep having fun you're 44 i haven't got you by almost 20 years well and, um, and you're and you're not slowing play. down i mean you're like like all kidding aside we thought this was going to be a marathon race between you and me and see who could speak the fastest who could get the most words in <laughs> i show me it show I me have the my sun. note i have my talk slow note of you i wasn't going to say it unless you I showed it i don't it. think i've actually you followed it anyway <laughs> He's got, if you're only listening, Alan wrote a note on his screen so he would remember to talk slow. So you know us guys on the East Coast, we got to slow it down sometimes, man. That's why I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make it in L.A. because they didn't get me. They didn't get it. <laughs> they didn't I, you know, know what like, you're saying. They didn't know what you're up, talking man. about. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Wake up. You know? <laughs> we don't have patience for that. I love that. I, I love the fact that you take it so serious to make the room a full room for the folks coming through because, you know, what, what a great host you are. Right. That's hospitality to me. You know, right. you go out, you make sure that they feel welcome, that, whether they're a, a megastar or whether there's somebody on the on the coming up or, or, you know, or somebody who's local. You know, you're that is hospitality, man. They must appreciate that. And, and it, it, look, it, I do it because we believe in it. But you know what? It pays dividends because I've get I'm a thousand seat theater. My main theater is a thousand seats. My small hall is 400 seats. That's small for Long Island. Westbury is 2,500 seats. Tillis is 2,300 seats. Then you go into the, you know, the National Coliseum. Is that even still here anymore, right? You go to yeah, these bigger there, places. I was there the other day on Sunday. It's, it's still, still there. Still I, don't, I don't know what they do there, but it's there. So I've got a thousand seats. So I've got to be creative. I book early. People know if I book a show, I'm not going to cancel it. I haven't had a canceled show in, I mean, one that I've done on our end in 40 years. Um, I, tr you know, people trust me. I can, I'm an anchor for a show. So I may pay a little less because we can't bring in as much money in, even though, because we try and keep our prices reasonable. I've got great, great supporters. I mean, uh, as the show's about, I mean, the arts, if you haven't learned about it yet, folks, the arts are about raising money. The arts will never pay for itself. No matter what we do in this world, uh, it's a shame, you know, but, but you know what? We've learned to we've learned to live with it. We we and we've gotten a lot of people in the area who donate a lot of money. We have a lot of corporate sponsors so that we can keep the prices low. I had a story. One guy came to the theater one night and he said, "You know, you should thank me. I come to all your shows. I really keep you in business." And I said, "I really do thank you. You've been really really supportive." But I want you to know, just if you're curious, that fifty dollar seat you're sitting in cost me one hundred and twenty five dollars because I have to subsidize that. He goes, "What?" And I explained the whole thing about. I got to pay this. I got to pay that. The next day, he sent me a thousand dollar check. Yeah, he just. So I got to do that more. I got to do that more often, don't yeah. I, Tommy? Yeah. yeah, maybe you should be talking to all four hundred people in the small know, theater. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know I need the Will Rogers thing of walking around with a can in the theater. I'm not gonna do. <laughs> but so no, but that's that's so important. Let's stay there for a second because that's really it, it, that's it's a fifty dollar ticket price, but it costs you one hundred twenty five with, with to get it happening. So. People don't know that this is somebody who was your, um, you know, in his mind that he's a major supporter of what you were doing, and he just didn't realize. So talk. He's been, about he's been coming for twenty years to all the shows. So let's and, so ed and, educate and that's what, people. Let, let's and talk that's about, about your show. It's not for profit. 
when when the, when we first started our 20, when I started 30 years ago with the board, my board member came up to me, the chairman of my board said, okay, Alan, we got a new board. How much do we make on these shows? I'm like, let me introduce you to non-for-profit. Let me explain to you what that means. It means that we need to raise as much money. I mean, the university is a tremendous supporter. They pay for the building. They pay for a good amount of my staff. Or oh, we could never do this. Um, so we have that. You know, we bring in ticket sales. But, you know, if I had a wand that could say, listen, Tommy, how much can you afford? Pay that. That would be great. We don't work that way. The world doesn't Oh, you mean like way. if you had like some kind of scale? Yeah, but I mean, well, you know, so so I've got, a, I've got a choice to make. Do I do what, you know, the you know, the Nassau Coliseum or what Jones Beach or what even other theaters will do and play to the most expensive so that we can afford it and charge you $35 for a handling fee? Or do I want to play to the lowest common denominator so that anyone can come to the theater? Uh, that's where I try to go. I look at the first thing I say to my financial director when I bring the show in was sit down. What's the lowest can we charge for this show? What can we make this work for to break even with the money we're bringing in, with the support we're bringing in? And that's where we start from. You know, and then we do all kinds of discounts. You know, we offer a lot of complimentary tickets. We have outreach programs. We have a very strong outreach program, educational program. If you want to see a show at the Staller Center and you just can't afford it, reach out to us. We're going to get you in because I, for two reasons. One, you deserve art in your life. And two, you're the future. You know, I gave a talk 20 years ago, Tommy, 25 years ago. And I said, and I said, you know what, if we're not smart, we're going to run out. We're going to lose our businesses, live art centers and theaters to this new thing that came out called Netflix. Mm. Anybody hear of it? You know and I'm saying? And I, and I watched it happen over the last 20 years. And then I watched it really multiply once COVID hit. Right. You don't need to leave your house right now to come to a show. And yet when you come to a show and it's happened every show, we had Wayne Brady, we had Alan Cumming, we had Chris Bode. We had um, every show we've had this fall and early spring. The artists have come on stage and said, it is so great to be back in front of a live audience. And at least 10 or 12 people in the audience said, not as great as it feels for us being here. Yeah. And it's been this kumbaya thing yeah, right all year on. round. Well, I mean, again, there's 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 emotion, there's electricity, there's connection. That's that's real stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this one show uh, that it's always the music's always going on in our house is is Hamilton. And um I mean, just an, I think, Disney Plus. I right. I think it's an incredible show. I, I we listen to music all the time. I think it's really well done. Obviously, people feel differently about these things, but um, but I wouldn't have seen that show. I wouldn't. First of all, I wouldn't have seen it because you know I probably wouldn't have taken all my kids to see it for the cost of going. But Disney Plus, man, you know, and and, and that's and that's you know, it's been wonderful. Like we do the Met Opera broadcast live. We were the first art center. Movie theaters were getting them, but I went to Peter Gelb at uh, the Met Opera and said, listen, we have, we do a film series. We have the projector. We have this, this, the, what we need is a satellite. So we were the first art center about 12 years ago to get these live from the Met Opera broadcast. They're phenomenal. That, is that simulcast? Is that, Alan, that's simulcast, like, while it's, it's going on. Well, absolutely. It's live. Or if we can't do it live because we have a live show that day, right. we'll do an encore of it. But I've got a 40 foot screen. When I put this theater in 27 years ago, I wanted the theater that I used to go see. Yeah. You caught the tail end of it, Tommy. But yeah. I, I, I saw theaters, movies. You know, now you go to see films. They're not much bigger than your television set when you go to see them. So we've got this amazing big screen for the film festival. We do foreign language films. We do art films. We do independent films. It's phenomenal. You see films you can't see anywhere else. But so thank God for Netflix. Thank God for PBS, all that. But it said to me, okay, it's great. But the problem is now because we did this, we've made it easy for people not to go out. And there are people that got really used to it. Yep. I know people that said, I like sitting at home. I have my glass of wine. I have my pause button. It's great. But there is nothing, nothing like coming to a live show. We had a show, Momix, a dance show two weeks ago. And these women, it's a very cool dance theater show. It's, it's like a Cirque du Soleil type show. And there's a woman, on, there's three women on a balloon. And they're all rolling around on it. One of the balloon breaks. And she falls down to the floor. And she, she plays like she's dead. And I, I've got a student next to me saying, he knows who I am. Was that supposed to happen? I said, I don't know. I really don't know. You know, I said, you know, I'm, and of course, afterwards, we found out it wasn't, you know, and she just, she had to go with it. Now, in a film, they're going to say, cut, stop, yeah. do it again. There's something so genuine and real about a concert, a play, a dance event, that it happens, you know, you, the music man, we had Sutton Foster here for a gala with Kelly O'Hara, right before, right before the, uh, the, the COVID hit. It's the last night of our show. We brought Kelly O'Hara, great star, got a Tony for King and I. Um, Sutton Foster's on Music Man right now. She's done Younger, a bunch of shows. 
um, it was the Kelly Harris on that night. She goes, I don't, it's pretty eerie. I'm not sure we're going to get together again soon. And she knew it closed the theater for two years after that. But you see Sutton Foster, you see you, you, you see uh, you Jackman in the music man, right? Yeah. And they're doing eight shows a week. Not one of them is the same as the night before. They're saying the same lines, mostly. They're doing, you know, doing, doing the same movements, mostly. But every every actor out there, a wannabe actor or studying actor knows you never, it's never the same way. And, and that to me, as a actor for 30 seconds in my early life, uh, is what I bring to here, because I always want to make it exciting. I want new shows, I want different shows. I want shows you can't find anywhere else. I want films you can't see anywhere else. When you come to the Stoller Center, I want you to see something that you can't see anywhere else and come out and enjoy it, whether it be uh, a comedy from France or a Holocaust film. And that's what our film festival is all about. We mix in the best films that are out there. And we, we've, we've drawn a great audience for it. Yeah, I want you to tell us about that. I want you to tell us when we come back, we'll take a quick break. And I, I have a quick question about that 30-second thing. Does it ever come back? Do you ever act a little bit? You hold that, hold the thought. I'll hold it. I'll I hold wonder it. if you ever get a, sh a chance to, to use your chops, aside from when you're negotiating for, for philanthropic dollars. Or on, the to or on Tommy's show. Or on this show. Yeah, you're doing a hell of a job acting today, man. I'm sure I'm sure you go back into your shell right after, right when we close the show. You're going to be very- My staff only wished. My staff only wished I had a <laughs> yeah, shell, right? Yeah, my family and my and my business partners too about me. All right, so when we come back, the I want to know about the film festival. I want to know about the genesis of it, and let's talk through it. Uh, awesome. This is philanthropy in focus. I my I've never laughed as much on the show. I don't think because I'm I feel like I'm I'm watching a show right now, but I'm I'm part of the show. Oh my gosh, <laughs> We're, we'll be right back. We'll take a quick break. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. I don't usually do this every week, but I think I'm going to do it right. Cut through all the static, join Tommy in his attic. Just in case you didn't get enough when Brendan Levy, my buddy, my uncle Brendan from the Queen's Chamber of Commerce sung that song or sang that song or singed that song. All I know is I figured I would do a little singing for you. Maybe I get on stage at the Staller Center one day and I would, I, look, I'll tell you this, man. I did like if you had a 30 second career i had like a four second career because like i <laughs> back in the day they you know used to have a, a magazine like a, a where you could go and look at for auditions and stuff like that be like stage, a backstage, backstage and all that yeah, yeah. right and you could go look and i would like it'd be like college productions and like I, you know i have to do my whatever this thing and what do you show me what do you got oh, that's my first college production what were you in what were you doing there there's a, a movie called great heart never got out to the theaters Never got out. That's it. College, college film. I, you know, I, I was, I, <laughs> I was in. This. I, mean, I, I look at this guy and say, "Oh my God, how many years ago was that?" 
what was not there was this movie it wasn't it wasn't dick vitale um it was uh it was howard cosell it was a howard cosell movie right and um it was called monday night mayhem and i think it was about like monday night football <laughs> yeah. right so so <laughs> i was about to say i was in that movie which is such not so not true but i was in like there was one thing where howard cosell and the guy from um uh from oh, the, the card movie uh not leonardo DiCaprio with matt damon uh rounders um uh, john uh he, he you know the movie uh rounders with i'll, yeah. I'll, look, I'll look it yeah. up but he uh, he's a big actor the guy john it's john definitely or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i'll find him we all gonna when when i get you going again you're gonna be talking and i'll go find the answer because I, no, I, no, I, no. I i just gotta wind you up again. We, we, that's our life we have I, I can't not think i gotta find imdb i gotta wind you up and i'll go find the answer and i'll have it back when we get when, we, when, when, you, when you take a break for a breath but here, we're fun together man i'm having a, i'm having a pisser right now so, so I, i'm in the theater right like there he's on the stage doing the howard Cosell. like he's got to do it like you when i tell you who the actor was let me just look it up um it, it was uh i'm in the audience and i'm like it's it the whole scene ends up in the movie for about 10 seconds and you know it took like five hours of us sitting in the audience in this theater totoro not uh john totoro yeah john totoro john totoro yeah. So John Totoro plays Cosell right. in that movie. I was looking at Ed Norton because I'm thinking Ed Norton was in the film. I, I, right. I, Ed Norton. I love Ed Norton, by the way. I, I, I think he's great. Um, but but that, so that movie. So like I'm saying, I was an extra and I was tending bar at the time. And I literally had to call the bar and I, I called my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. I go, I, you got to get somebody to work the stick. I'm like in the city. Like I'm some like big time actor. I got like. 75 bucks and i've been there for like you know 12 hours or whatever sitting like in the audience and that and like i think that like i don't know that i wanted to be like i think i do want to be an actor but i want to be like a celebrity like you were talking yeah. about you know like like a hollywood like what'd you say like a like a movie, Cruise, star. A movie star. star right like i, I wanted to be-, to be an actor i really wanted to, i mean i was a serious actor but i but i but i got caught up in the movie star stuff and then realized that wasn't for me so that's why i came back to new york you know what i wanted to be i'll tell you this is it and i don't know if people on this show have heard this before but i will share it i always wanted to be a game show host i always wanted to be like you had you had ray combs and you had the guy before ray combs on um uh on family feud who richard dawson richard dawson which, right which is, again sort of not probably kiss my all the nice ladies you get to give everyone yeah, a good nice walk kiss up and down he would kiss all the ladies he would hand out lollipops Right now, that would, you know, that's obviously a historical situation, but I, I guess that was appealing, you know, as a kid, you know, my buddy, Steve Fry, who comes on the show, uh, all right, puts a show right on our network right after this is laughing because he knows we both want to be game shows. He's saying John Malkovich. No, that's a Malkovich is that's. Teddy I King. think he's in that film though, wasn't he? I think Malkovich was also in the film. He's, Malkovich is in the, in the, in the rounders film, but right. Totoro right. is, is Kanish. They call him Kanish in that movie. And he's like the guy, he's like. He's like, the, he's a regular guy, just kind of grinding it out, trying to make a living. To He says, I got alimony. I got to pay for my kids. I, you know, he wasn't like trying to be flashy, like win the World Series of Poker. Now I'm mushing two movies together. We've even, we've lost most of the people who had any clue about what you and I have been talking about. <laughs> they're gone. And it's guys like. A little while ago. They're gone. It's just you and me here now. It's, it's, okay. like, it's like you, me, and Steve Fry. And like, that's it. And, it, and that's the show. But I always want to be a game show host. And, I, you know, like I said earlier as we evolve and our careers continue, I probably will be a game show host. I think like, you know, like I remember Double Dare. I was watching, I don't know if you remember this show from, from Nickelodeon. So there was like, I used to love that show with the oh, When you were a kid, when you were watching, you were a kid. I was a kid. Movie? Yeah, I was a kid because, and, and that was like my era. And that guy, Mark Summers, I just saw a documentary. In fact, I was flying home from Tampa and I saw this woman had like on the JetBlue flight, like, a couple aisles away from me she was watching the documentaries about mark summers and double dare and i had seen it but i want to go back to watching it because that was like it was clean fun it was cute it was like sticky kind of stuff you know so like that that was always fun to me we got to stop what i what my dreams and hopes and, and plans are for a no, second I'm i'll have you back on the show next time I'll be yeah, I did, yo, you oh. should you should interview me we should come back next week do let's do it let's turn the tables next time i'd love to do that i would love it that would be fun i actually a friend of mine interviewed me on his show the other day i have a red tie at home i have a red okay. tie so that's it so secret if you need inexpensive ties you could be a maxinista like me i go to tj maxx i buy my ties on the cheap 
because I often spill coffee on my tie. And I'd hate to do that to an $80 tie, but an $8 tie, you just toss it. It's disposable, man. So, you know, that's good for, for, for the economy. I'm just trying to spark the economy one seven ninety nine tie at a time. But my buddy Mark had me on his show the other day, and I literally went on like this for 20 minutes. And I go, Mark, I better stop and like let you talk. And I go, oh, wait, wait. No, you're interviewing me. Yeah, I'm just supposed to keep going on. Let me just keep talking. I'll just keep talking. Tell me about the film festival, though. Where, like, where does it start? Why does it start? Yeah, uh, it's it's such a such a dream. You know, I, I used to produce an international theater festival before this for when I first started at Stony Brook. And I was traveling around the world. It was it was a different time. I mean, I got British Airways flew me around the world. We got money from other countries. I brought the Abbey Theater here. We had a 10 year run of these great international productions I was bringing in during the summer. The money dried up, the corporate sponsorship dried up, the, the government monies, visas became impossible to deal with as you can imagine. So we stopped it. And I said, you know what, 27, 28 years ago, I said, well, you gotta do something different in the summer. I don't wanna do the same things during the summer. And I said, what about movies? You know, uh, what about film? And I knew nothing about film other than I like I liked doing them, would have wanted to be acting in them. Um, and we reached out, we got some information. Um, we built this screen. I wanted the 44, I wanted the biggest screen we could we could have. We got 35 millimeter projectors. What are those? Those are gone now. It's all digital. And the first thing we did was I said, I want to put on a Steven Spielberg Film Festival, just to, because that was what I wanted. And we brought in the films and I sat in the third row in this 40 foot screen and I watched Jurassic Park and that scene when the guy's sitting on the toilet bowl or when the Raptors are running around the kitchen, let me tell you something. I got what Steven Spielberg meant in that movie. That was unreal. And we're watching them on our phones today, right? So look, it took, it took a couple of years. We did all these kind of films. And then I went to Sundance. In 1999, I went to the Sundance Film Festival. Despite having my bus turn over after on the way on an ice patch and Literally. flipping over coming back, just got a concussion. No one got really seriously injured, broken bones and stuff. Uh, I went back on that horse, came back the next year. And I said, I want to do this. I want new films. I want foreign language films on a big screen because these are amazing films, but Americans don't read. But you will on a 40 foot screen. I mean, I remember watching the, the remake of uh, Pearl Harbor mm -hmm. on a 19 inch TV screen, the Ben Affleck film. And when the Japanese are bombing Pearl Harbor, uh, when the Japanese are drop, we're dropping the bomb, when they're, and they're dropping the bomb on Pearl Harbor. I'm reading the line. I had to stop the, 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 the uh, TV. And I mean, I knew what was going to happen, obviously. Right. But I wanted to read what the Japanese were saying. Uh, on our screen, you don't think about it. It's 40 feet wide. You know, it's, it's, you forget you do it in 10 minutes. So we've got that. We've got independent films that, are, that have not been played in America yet. Some get picked up by Netflix. Some get picked up by Amazon Prime. Some never get picked up. So you're going to see in the summer, over 10 days, July 21st to 30th, almost 40 films, features, and short films. Back in the old days, we'd have a short film before a feature film. And the art of short films are gone. You mm. can't see short films anymore. Even HBO used to have some short films on. And some short filmmakers, they say, why do you make short films? Well, short filmmakers, some make it for a career. They just want to do it. They love short films. But the reality is it's a calling card for a filmmaker. If you're a young filmmaker and you want to make a film, how can you make you know, a full-length film and the money to cost to make it? It's cheaper now because everything's digital. You don't need to film stock. But you'll make a short film. Ralph Macchio broke into being a director by doing a film, He's My, Bro He's My Brother. Or my, my... That was the film he did almost 20 years ago. That was the first thing he did. And people saw he could direct. He's directed four or five films since. And I'm so happy for Cobra Kai for him because he's so I mean, deserved. Let me I like that show. Like I really got into that show. And and then sometimes this happens with Netflix. I, I end up forgetting about the show and moving on. But it was like it what was funny is we got to take a break. But what was funny about that show for me and, and Ralph, I think it's a great show. I, I gotta get back to watching it. But it was a, it was certainly not to cry to kid. It was I, not, I, again growing up on that that very again that was a sweet movie, obviously with the fighting and, you know, the bullies and whatnot and Miyagi, the whole deal. But like, th this was like, <laughs> this ain't your baby. This ain't your daddy's uh, karate kid movie anymore. Right. You exactly. know, but, but again, it's, <laughs> that was 35 years ago. This isn't supposed to be that anymore. It's a different world. And it's, a but I, I, you know, that, I got to go back to it. I remember. He had, like, a lot, he had a lot of people asking for years to do something like that. I'm sure. Uh, he waited. He waited for the right thing. 
Uh, and he was so smart in doing so. I hope he, um, I bet he was able to cash in, not counting somebody else's money, but I bet he was able to cash in with Netflix. They got a lot of dough to throw around. So that's a good thing. But I think it was well done. I got addicted to it. I get, that's Netflix though. You can get addicted to stuff super fast. So we got to take a quick break. We come back. I really want, this is what I need to know from you, Alan. What are we going to do? What do you need? Who do you need to meet? Is it supporters? Is it, are there, you know, do you want to hook up with the, the Northwells of Long Island, the big companies that have alliances and stuff? So let's talk about that when we come Fantastic. back. We've got, kind of got a short window to do it, but I want to make sure we hit upon that before we leave. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Let's go to a quick break. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers... Avengers Assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Back, philanthropy and focus every Friday morning. And then on all your podcast platforms where you're checking things out. Uh, that's funny when we go to commercials, sometimes I hear my own voice and then we talk about a second show and I hear my own voice again about the professionals and animal lover show, which we do here on the network. So shout out to my friend and, and sort of mentor in all things advocacy, animal advocacy, that is Valerie Heffron, who uh, was really the, the spark or the shot in the arm for us to do that show talking about all things advocacy. Uh, more to come on that. Check that out two o'clock on Wednesdays here on the network. So, um, Alan, I understand that like we're sort of at the tail end of the season right now and, and things like that. So let's talk about, you know, what you have upcoming going into next year. And, and as I really mentioned, I, you talked about it. You say that great anecdote about, uh, you know, a gentleman who has been a big supporter in his mind was a supporter and then realized what it really meant, what you needed to support. And, you know, in comes a thousand dollar check on top of his regular um, attendance at events. So let, let's talk about that. Are there certain either industry professionals or companies like you can, if you want to use by name, maybe we know them, maybe we have some connections there. Let's talk about that, who you want to connect with. Absolutely. And I was uh, telling you a little bit on the break, Tommy, that we've got a really big season next year. It was a truncated season this year. I wasn't sure whether you was going to go. We, you know, we didn't want to overbook a season with people with COVID out there with our fingers crossed, hoping we're going to be in a much better shape next year. We've got almost 40 shows and we've got comedians coming in. We've got Broadway shows. I've got Broadway stars like Bernadette Peters, uh, Michael Feinstein's got a new show, a tribute to Judy Garland. But what's really important, I think this is the connection for networking, is, look, we've got to be relevant. We've got to, if we're going to stay in this business, we've got to reach out to younger audiences, different audiences. I went to see Vanessa Williams, uh, the wonderful uh, singer and uh, former Miss America, Miss, Amer Miss America, uh, came to my theater as a gala with Peebo Bryson, another big star, five years ago. And she said to me, look out for my daughter. She's got an amazing new R&B electronic music show. Her band's called Lion Babe. So about a year ago, I went to see the show in a club in New York, in Brooklyn. Uh, now, I love the music, but I want to know about this new generation. I sound like my father now. Why can't we have chairs? Can we sit at these things? Why do we have to stand for four hours? You know, I'm, I'm have a beer in my hand. I'm 40 years older than anybody else. I did not blend in, Tommy. It's just, I'm leaning on walls. I'm trying to, it's like, can I, can I sit on my lap? Whatever. But the music is cool. 
and I've got this, I've got another woman named Morgan James, who's a rising soul singer. <clears throat> I've got a pop sensation named Macy Kate, who's got like a million followers, but she's going to make her Star Center, her art center debut. She's been playing clubs. Wow. All of these shows we're trying to do, we're going to do some of them on weekday nights because people like Joe Campolo. I don't know if you know Campolo, yeah. and McCormick, yep. good friend. Joe's been, Joe bought us our sound system for almost $300,000 three years ago that flies. For 20 years, I've been trying to get a fly system so that we, our sound in our theater is exactly the same in door one and door eight. So instead of those stacked um, uh, uh, speakers, we finally have flying speakers in our theater. That, that'll be in my tombstone. That and I got us free parking. Those are the two things I did for the Staller Center. That's <laughs> legacy. Hey, Alan, that's, that's legacy. legacy, man. That's my legacy. Forget about the shows I've run in. That's it. <laughs> but, but people like Joe, uh, Island Federal came on board eight years ago for our film festival. I met with, with Brett Sears, their, their um, CEO and president. And I said, Brett, we are doing all these great things with the film festival. What we really need is a way to bring all these filmmakers out consistently not just the stars. I need to fly out people from London, from Pakistan, from wherever country they're from. Because when you go to a film festival, that's the other thing too, Tommy. You, how many times you go to a movie and you say, man, I wish I could have known what he meant about that. Or what did that actress mean? They're here. When you come to a film festival, the director's here, the actors are here. And up until that point, we had a mostly American filmmakers and actors, some foreign ones where we could figure it out. They said, if I had another $100,000 a year, $75,000 a year, we could turn around and fly everybody in, go to Danford's in Port Jeff, which we use, you know, so you can be right on the water, treat these people. Brian Cox was here for a weekend with his wife, had a great time. And, and Brett Sears said, we're doing it. So Island Federal has been our presenting sponsor for the last eight years. And without them, this festival stays where it was eight years ago. We are now one of the most sought after festivals for filmmakers. We got 3,000 submissions this year for 40 slots. You submitted from all over the world. That's incredible. I'm watching movies till like two in the morning. So if I'm if I'm a little bleary eyed, it's because I got to pick the best ones. I got a colleague that helps me uh, and a small team, but it's really, you know, I worked for a German director years ago and said to me, there's no room for democracy in the theater. And I, I get that, but I, mean, I try to be a little democratic, but it's so subjective, man. It's yeah, like, yeah. you know, you go to a movie with your wife, you both, you pick the movie you want to see, you know, the director, you know, the genre, you both walked in, one hates it, one loves it. So yeah. that's the art of films. But as far as networking goes, I've got a phenomenal development director, Daria Cariosha has been with me for five years, it feels like 50 years. Uh, and Katie Stockhammer is my financial director and director of operations. She was my fundraiser before. So between the two of them and me, because wind me up, Tommy, yeah, give me money. I'm going to be out there asking for it. But we believe in it. We're real. When we meet with a donor, when we meet with a corporate sponsor, we want to see what's in it for both of us. Yeah, I don't it's got to be a partnership. It's got to be a partnership. And 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 I'm like, I'm I'm just so excited about what you said about Island Federal and Mr. Sears. I forgot his first name. You, Brett Sears. Brett, Brett Sears. Wonderful man. Shout out, Brett. Look forward to meeting you here on the island at some point because because that's that's alignment, man. That's that's putting together. It's good for them. It's good for you, right? It's it's a value add. And now I didn't know that story, and the people listening didn't know that story. And I want to know those folks at Island because they're doing something to, to impact the arts. And what's so amazing is that we connect with them, right? So you think they're asking us all the time, what more can we do for them? No, this been the whole time saying, you got to meet this person. You got to meet this right. person in this corporation. Joe Campolo, every yeah. week he calls me up and says, listen, I got a new thing. You got to meet this guy. You got to meet this donor. This person is going to give you money. So we have about 400, you know, 400, 500 regular donors who give us anywhere from $50 to $50,000. We have to raise $2 million a year to keep our doors open and to keep the prices we want them to be. So the truth is, you know, we've got people that, you know, uh, corporate sponsors, we've got, you know, media sponsors, all the restaurants in the area give us food for our filmmakers. We feed them. We have parties every night up the kazoo, all covered by local restaurants and local bars. Um, Jefferson's Ferry, the local resident home for seniors, they support us. All their people get bused here for shows. Oh, that's um, great. So you bring the seniors come in for shows and stuff? Like they come in, they bus them in. They, we, and and we, we do events with them. We do, we do outreach for other places. Renaissance Technologies, of course, right next door. They've got a few bucks in their pocket. Uh, not only do, do they support us, but all their, a lot of their people that go there. They've got kids. We do a lot of family programs. You know, we're always trying to find ways to get people interested. And the thing I say when I meet with a donor, or I meet with a corporate sponsor, and yes, I'd love Northwell. I'd love anyone you want to introduce me to. Um, I say to them, 
what's what do you need from us? See, but th- that's so important. I got to stop you because that's critically important. You know, this hat in hand thing with a nonprofit is like, just sponsor us. Just give us them. No, man. My friend Ken Serini tells me all the time. It's got it. it where's the? T- it's. I said, Ken, it's not supposed to be quid pro quo. He goes, actually, Tommy, it is. There's got to be something in it for both parties. I met with the, the owner, a new owner of the bench, Park Bench. Now it's called the bench. He owns a bunch of restaurants near another great guy, Marius. I bring in my book. It's all right. Here's what you get for 15,000. Here's what you get for 20. I looked at his face. He looked at mine. I said, okay, forget about the book. All right. What do we want to do? Yeah. Because I said, it's not about that. I said, this gives you an idea of what you can do, but I want to come in and say, what, what kind of money do you want to support us with? And what do you want to get out of us? Because I don't want to, I always say to my development director and she's, and they speak the same language. I hire people that, 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 that speak, that are real. You know, you think of fundraisers, you think of where's my wallet? Did, did I just, did I still have it here? She is the most genuine, Daria Cariosha. She's a dream. I will never let her leave here. That's it. She just, you want to give her money. I always talk that people pass by and throw money at her because <laughs> she's passionate. She believes in it. And we have the same line. And the line is, if we have to come back to you next year and again, ask you to be a sponsor or ask you to give us money again, we screwed up. I don't even use that word, but yeah, I say no, I we know. screwed up. Yeah, because yeah. that's the, if we're not giving you and I'm not checking in on you during COVID, what did we do during the two years of COVID? I didn't call up and ask people for money. I said, give your money to the hospital, give it to the children's center. And how are you feeling? What can we do for you? Because that was the right time. You know, you have to read people. You have to yeah, understand. No it's not like we need to raise money because we need to raise money. We need to raise money. And we want to give you something that's going to make you feel good about it. We got to leave it right Bye here. Sec. How do they, I, it's a great way to leave it. Where, I, I can't wait to meet Dari. I can't wait to come out and meet the rescue yeah. team. We're going to do some fun stuff together for sure. Bring my kids out, the whole thing. What, how do they get you? How do they track you down real quick? The easiest way is go to stallercenter.com. It's all one word, S-T-A-L-L-E-R-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. From there, you can go everywhere. You can reach out to, to donations. You can reach out to the shows. You can go to the film festival. So rather than give you a whole bunch of things, there's That's phone it. numbers call to call me, to call Daria. Go to stardustcenter.com. You see something you want. You see something you, you want to reach out to us. I will pick up the phone and answer anybody. I love it. All right. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship. I, I mean that now. I feel like we're kindred spirits. I'm excited to do some stuff going forward. What I want to say to everybody else real quick, again, Alan, thank you for being here. Aaron, thanks for introducing me to Kelly, Kelly to Alan, and that's just how it goes. And now we'll introduce each other to other people, I'm sure of that. I want to just say uh, really quick, next week on the show, Linda Beagle Shulman will be here. Her son, Scott Beagle, was unfortunately murdered during the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting, February 14, 2018. Scott was uh, from here on Long Island, and we're going to be talking about what this organization does, how they raise money to send uh, at-risk children to camp during the uh, during the during the summers. So really special. We're going to have them here. This is what we do. We try to tell the story, amplify the message here on Philanthropy and Focus every week. I'll leave you with two things here. Um, Stay tuned for Steve Fry, always Friday, and it's opening day. Let's go Mets. All right. I'll see you all. Alan, thanks again for your friendship. I'll see you later on. Peace, man. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 